I said we're moving into a very important series, moving into a message that's deep, and maybe that's why some didn't return this Sunday, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I want to instruct you because this week is more of a teaching than a preaching. Does everyone understand what that means? That means that you're going to see that I'm tied to my notes more. I want to be accurate in what I say. I don't, want to, I don't want to diverge too much from what I say because I believe the Spirit of God has revealed something to my heart and I want to get exactly said what God revealed to me. But as we're moving to this series that's called Spiritual War, who knows that there is a battle that we are facing that's not physical, but it's spiritual. And, you know, we, we sometimes feel like we're fighting it on a daily basis, and this series that we're doing is going to take us into the month of January. So it's going to go on for quite a while. And I want to start out, this is our base scripture for everything that we're going to do in this series, is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, and, or 10 through 12. Excuse me, and I want to turn there for just a moment because I want to talk about this a little bit every week. Ephesians 6 10 through 12, it says, A final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against sp evil spirits in the heavenly places. So as we start out this series, what I want to do is I want to start out with what I believe is the greatest battleground of your life, something that is constantly under attack and we're seeking to gain control of and stand strong against the enemy end, and that's our mind. Who can relate to that? That oftentimes we are battling things up here more than any other place. Because I got to tell you, so on the outside, I might give this appearance that I have it all together. But I constantly struggle with my thought. Inside, I, I let doubt creep in. There's temptation, there's reminders of the past, there's comparisons to other people, frustration, confusion offense, who hears me on this, or fits of rage. We can go on and on and on with the challenges that we might face on a day-to-day -day basis up here. And so I do believe that our mind is one of the biggest battlegrounds against the enemy. And so what you and I have to do, we have to agree that we need to be prepared to fight this battle with appropriate knowledge and counteract his attacks. Who, who wants to learn how to counteract Satan today? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to read this scripture and we're going to pray. So if you would turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, we're going to read this scripture. So what I want us to do, I want us to approach this with keys to winning this battle in your mind, okay? 1 Corinthians 2, 6 says, Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of, of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. 
But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not be, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, your word says a lot today. And God, it can be, it, it can be so easy to get lost God, it, it can be easy for us to say, no, this is too deep. Let's, let's, let's keep it simple. But God, I pray that you will reveal to hearts and minds today exactly what you need to speak. And no matter the level of understanding in this room, that God, you have the ability to begin that work, that heart work, Father, to transform the way they think to renew their mind where, God, they can win this battle. I thank you, God, and I praise your wonderful, matchless name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I read that scripture, and who would say, Pastor, I'm kind of lost now. Maybe, maybe you're like, what, what are we going to get at with that scripture in this battle of our mind? And I believe contained within this scripture are three keys to winning the war of this battle in our mind. And the first thing, that, that it seems so obvious to me, and some of you have been serving Christ for a long time, you may feel this way, and some, some of you others might say, to me, it's honestly a challenge because I wrestle with my thoughts all the time, even though I've been serving Christ for a long time. And so I, I want to really break this down and make this simple, but there are things that make it more complicated. And the first thing is we need to discover the mysteries of God. We need to discover the mysteries of God. And the first way we need to do that is you need to be seeking wisdom in all the right places. Isn't that a country song? Looking for wisdom in all the wrong places? No, that's, that's love. Um, but in, 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 seriously though, think about this. Because we are living in an age where people continuously seek to gain knowledge, and you and I might be torn on where we need to turn to. Now, I want to say this, and it's, it's, we're going to get deep in the waters here for a second. I'm going to get around to what I mean, but 
I believe that wisdom, as far as the world is concerned, is relative based on self-determined values. So think about it this way. Whatever environment it is you grew up in or you have attached yourself to, you will seek a deeper level of knowledge and insight through that purview. So think about it this way. The scientist will obviously seek wisdom based off of factual information that he can gain from the earth. The philosopher will seek to gain wisdom by deep thoughts from others and what he can ponder. The Christian should seek wisdom from the revelation of the Spirit of God. Amen? So worldly wisdom, if we're going to separate these two things out, worldly wisdom is gained by things of the earth. Godly wisdom is gained by revelation from his spirit. So the world, what happens is the world is focused on its own understanding and they don't value wisdom of the believer. They might refer to your faith as a crutch or foolish hope. Yet, what I see, I see a flaw in what is considered worldly wisdom because they place no value on created purpose. Are you guys following me so far? So they, 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 they have no value they place on created purpose. So we as a people, I believe we need to be continually rooted in seeking to understand and seek wisdom in relation to God. So we do that through by searching and discovering his purpose for us and our development to be more and more like him as we go on. You and I, we need to cry out. We need to pray for wisdom because our thinking is flawed. And what happens is wisdom, it provides a personal security, stability, and well-being to your life. You need to seek wisdom, amen? You need to seek it, you need to desire it. In fact, James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Who feels they, they need to ask for some wisdom this morning? I know that I, I get that way. Have you ever been in a difficult situation and said, I need help? Or I don't understand or I'm not strong enough to go through this. You know, wisdom is founded on the Word of God. And so what we have to do is we must apply wisdom to our lives. We must gain wisdom through prayer. We must develop wisdom by considering, check this out, by considering the shortness of life and death. People who think they're invincible come off as foolish. And let me tell you that worldly wisdom, they tend to ignore the whole truth that life is short and we're all going to die. It's one thing we all have in common. We're all going to die. Listen to Psalm 90.12 and just, and just weighing these thoughts because there are people, I guarantee you, there are people sitting in this room that like to just avoid the whole talk of that we're going to die one day and that life is short. But listen to Psalm 90.12. Psalm 90.12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. 
Church, to come to know Jesus is discovering the treasure of wisdom. To come to know Jesus is discovering the treasure of wisdom. That Jesus Christ is God's mystery revealed to the world. Our main text today, I want to go back to it for just a moment. Our main text today in verse 7, it says, The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. Now, if you're, you're to just look at God on the surface, God is pretty mysterious, isn't he? God is pretty mysterious. And think about just how he works in his timing. If you have just sought out God in Old Testament times, he was definitely mysterious. But what I know is when you truly discover who God is, his passion, his purpose behind his creation, he becomes less mysterious and he becomes more desirable because what you discover is, real simply, he loves you. He created you. He sent his son for you. And God's mystery has been revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, verses 2 through 3. It says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you guys capturing this? Are you, are you understanding the foundation that we're laying here? Because when God's mystery is revealed in our life, we gain wisdom and understanding, which is a byproduct that settles our minds and hearts. Are you guys capturing this? Because if we're sitting here today and saying, Pastor, my mind is in a constant battle. I have warfare all the time. I'm telling you one of the ways to settle that down is Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean that we have to have a full understanding on how God operates, that, that we need to understand why things happen in our lives the way they do, but we do know God's ultimate why. He loves us. As complicated as you and I can be as humans, he sent his perfect son to die for us. I forgot to open up my message with something that I want to touch base on real quick. You know, we are living in a day and age where there is more seeking for self-help and guidance by professionals than ever before. That's becoming commonplace, and I'm not knocking that. So if, if you're, but, but I, I want us to understand the real battle that is taking place here because as we are living in a more of a godless society, there is a greater need to seek help in the battle that takes place up here. So this is statistics based off of 100,000 people. So in the United States of America, there are, 29.9 counselors per 100,000 people, okay? 29.9. Now, this trend has been happening in greater capacity all over the world. In, in the nation of Austria, in Austria, 79 counselors per 100,000 people. In a country that I visited, and I, I, I studied quite a bit, in Argentina, catch this, in Argentina, most people there have a counselor. They say it's somewhere over 90% of people receive counseling of some sort. 
from a psychologist. And in Argentina, there are 206 psychologists per 100,000 people. It speaks to confusion. It speaks to being lost. It speaks to being in a constant place of life, searching for answers that they can't grab a hold of, that they can't not gain. And I want to encourage you that to discover God's mystery is to have a rested mind. It's to have a rested mind. So if you come here and say, Pastor, my life is a mess. I wrestle with these thoughts all the time and I struggle in this manner. I am telling you the answer to all that, and it's not simple. I know it takes time to walk through. You need to get rooted in your faith and an understanding of who Jesus Christ is in your life. It's personal. It's not, it's not one of those things that it seems like it applies to everyone else and it becomes this big mysterious thing that you see how you, you can adapt to it. It speaks personally to who you are. God can do that, amen? God can speak personally to who you are and show you true purpose and give you life and give you a clear mind and a developed understanding on who he is. Now here's the thing though. It is going to take discipline on your part. But what you're going to find is that as, as you've been battling struggles constantly in your life, when you start seeking God, your thoughts begin to change. And it's not always an immediate change. It can take years to do it. But your thoughts begin to change. Because here's the thing I know about God. That anytime Satan speaks to your mind, you hear and you know that God has a counter argument to it every time. When Satan speaks words over you like, you're worthless, God speaks, you are more valuable than gold. When Satan speaks, you're a sinner, God says, you're forgiven through my son. Who needs to hear that on a daily basis? Here's some simple things to just guide you by to, to know who you can glean from when you're seeking wisdom. And I want to list for you 14 traits of wisdom, and I'm going to rifle through them pretty quick. They educate themselves. They are disciplined. They admit mistakes and learn from them. They are patient. They take instruction humbly. They handle rejection and failure. They know they can only control themselves. They're guided by wisdom. They know their priorities. They're trustworthy and steadfast. They take calculated risks. They make the most of their relationships. They don't live beyond their means. They don't squander money. And these are just some simple, regular forms. But here is what we as the believer need to do. We need to continue to look at lists like this through the purview of seeking God. Do they seek God with their whole being? And so I want to talk about, we're, we're going to make a, a very harsh transition into the second key to winning this war. You need to receive God's Spirit. Amen. 
you need to receive God's Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I learn in Scripture that God has imparted His Spirit to you and I. And if you're to look in John chapter 14, what, what you'll see is Jesus has been preparing His disciples for His death and ascension to go back with the Father. And the disciples, what they're doing is they're focused on the fact that Jesus keeps saying that, that you're gonna, you know, I, I'm leaving you. And so they're thinking about, we're going to be left alone. We're going to have nothing. We're going to have just ourselves. And I, just, just a question for you. Who knows to be alone with your thoughts is not always a good place to be? Right? And, and here they've been walking with Jesus for three years, and they've had guidance throughout their lives. But, but so what Jesus does is in John chapter 14, he makes this promise, and I want you to pay close attention to this promise. John 14, 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Everyone say never. Never. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now Jesus goes on. He speaks further about this in John 16, 8. And I want you to hear this. It says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, I know sometimes we hear about the Spirit of God, and there are those who are really attracted and seek it, and there are some that are like, no, hold on. I either got the yield sign up, or I've got the stop sign up. Because it sounds scary. But here, what I, what is I believe the real issue is, God revealing sin in your life and working in your life, it might sound painful, it might sound scary, but when he begins to work and brings about righteousness in your life and you have this understanding of his judgment, that can also bring a calmness to your mind. And his spirit guiding you will help you conquer any thought that stands contrary to God. We need to seek it. We have to actively seek the Spirit of God. Do you know the word Spirit shows up 659 times in the Bible? 659 times. So a little instruction we might need in relation to the Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is a part of the triune Godhead. Three parts in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit of God that is active and working in your life and with the infilling will work through your life and be a witness to others. Listen to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It says, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, let me tell you what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. It is like being a Christian that is running on a nine-volt battery and all of the sudden, 
you're hooked up to 220 on constant. Okay? That battery is not going to die. And you and I, when we are living in a time where we constantly question whether or not we're being lied to in the media, right? If we're being lied to by our politicians, chances are if their mouth is moving, you are being lied to. Um, It is needed to lean on the Spirit that guides you in all truth. That also helps you not be in a state of confusion. And something else the Spirit gives you and only the Spirit of God can give you is discernment for your mind. And that's important. One of the gifts of the Spirit that can be imparted to us, and I believe every Christian should should desire, is the, the gift of discernment. Discernment to know what is of God and what is not of God. Because so often, and this is a huge problem in Christianity, that that believers are deceived into sin or teaching that is contrary to God. You know, the Apostle Paul was fighting deceptive teaching. And he was seeing believers be duped constantly into teaching that was not of God. He said in uh, 2 Corinthians 11.14, he says, But I am not surprised... Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Do you know that Satan has waged war against you? Whether you know it or not, Satan has waged war against you because his soul has been sentenced to eternal torment and Satan wants gratification in knowing that God's own creation can suffer the same consequences as him. That he can take the glory that should be rightfully given to God and instead through our own acts, he's glorified. That's what he wants. And so he attacks you. So what happens is we need to discern when people are operating under the Spirit of God or if they're being manipulated by Satan. And I believe the Spirit of God can reveal those things to us. But you and I need to be wise enough to discern our own emotions from what the Spirit is saying. That's another part of discernment. So follow me here for a minute. Many Christians get confused between motivations of our own heart and the inner working of the Spirit of God. And this is how you test it you will know it is the working of God's Spirit by who is glorified. Listen to Jesus. Jesus, in speaking about the Holy Spirit, he said this in John 16, 14. He said, He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. So if Something is, I I want you to think about this. If something is spiritual, but has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, you want no part of it. Did you hear me? I'm going to say it again. If there is something that presents itself as spiritual, but has nothing to do with Jesus, you want no part of it. So anything on the earth, astrology, Psychic readings, tarot cards, church, I am telling you, it speaks to you because there is a spiritual force behind it. But it's not the good that you think it is. 
See, what happens is if you know it's truly of God, the Father glorifies the Son, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, and both the Holy Spirit and Jesus give glory to the Father. That's how it all interworks together. And so you and I, in, the, the, in, in summarizing this, and the ultimate key to winning this war in your mind is you and I need to evaluate everything. If you listen to this message today and you don't revisit these scriptures and make sure everything I say lines up with scripture, you're not evaluating. If you just take every good word and say, man, I really like to hear that without checking to make sure it's scriptural, you're not evaluating everything. I don't want anyone to blindly trust any of the leaders that speak in this room. I'm going to tell you a dangerous situation I was a part of at my first pastorate. The former senior pastor remained in the church. Similar to our situation here. But I can tell you that this pastor was just a layman that got his credentials late in life. And he operated out of a gift of prophecy. But every prophecy that came out of his mouth, I didn't trust. And what would happen is that he would say, this and this and this is going to happen. He believed in the Bible code. He believed in certain things that I just couldn't adhere to. And he was making prophetic statements like, like the current president is going to run for a third term and win. I'm like, how on earth is that going to happen? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning everything as we're going along. And because everyone in the church adored him, near the end, they're like, just, just let him speak. Let him speak. And finally, like, okay. And he gets up and for an hour and a half reads prophecies he wrote on a page. And none of them contain a single scripture. None of them are confirmed or aligned with scripture. And everything inside of me is like, we have a bigger problem here than I even realize. And it was a church full of people who ate up every word. Church, I am telling you, you need to be wise and you need to be rooted in this word and you need to be able to evaluate everything and you even need to start by evaluating, hold on, the spirit. Because spiritual warfare is a battle that cannot be physically seen and we have to be able to recognize what spirit it is of. It requires us to recognize when it's something that is of God and when something is of Satan. Listen to how John instructs concerning when there are false prophets and how to recognize them in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This is the New American Standard Version. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and now it is already in the world. We test the spirits 
by their yield and glory given to Jesus Christ. This includes people that say, I can't come in the name of God. This includes people that say, this is a word from the Lord. This includes someone who might be sitting in this church today and pull you to the side afterwards and say, God's given me a word for you. Don't just take it blindly. Are you hearing me? Don't take it blindly. Evaluate it. Make sure it lines up with the word of God. Because, and, and you need to know it, obviously. Then you need to take the word of God and then you need to apply it to your life. You need to do what Jesus instructed right away in John chapter 14. Obey my commandments. That's when he's going to pour out his spirit. Obey my commandments. Because if we've already touched on, both good and evil will speak over you. And you have been given the tools to discern if it is of God or if it is of Satan. And church, I would just like to add, no matter your age in the room, you are never exempt from a spiritual attack. So you need to know how to recognize it. No matter your age or your position, your level of maturity, Satan, what he wants to do is he wants to impede your development or the development of others through you, and he wants you to lose your effectiveness. So he's going to do whatever he can. Uh, Kelly and I were talking uh, before service today, and I, I, I was sharing because he was a big part of it, and not, not, not a big part of it in, in the bad way, but we were talking about the worst year of my life in ministry and the best year of my life in ministry. And he's been, he's been there for both. And it was 2014, and I had determined in my mind what success looked like. Have you ever determined what success looks like and just try and get there? And so what I was doing was I was allowing a lie to take root in my mind where I was, I was pastoring a church and what one of my staff members and a board member had an inappropriate relationship together and they were lying to the church about it. And what was happening was I was seeking to make the right decisions and handle it in an appropriate way and I kept facing these other roadblocks. And so what happened was I entered into a really bad depression because of the situation and because of what was going on up here. Because in my mind, the root of the situation, I was convinced, were these two people. But the reality was it was much deeper. The root of the situation was I believed the lie that I was failing at ministry because of that situation. That was the problem. And I want you to think about why that's such a problem. Because if I am going to take ownership over a ministry failing, then what would I do had it been successful? I would have sought to receive the credit from it, the glory from it. And I did not recognize that God was using me to uproot a situation in the church for his glory. And so I let this battle go on in my mind that harmed my effectiveness. I couldn't do things tactfully. And so you and I, what we need to do is we need to evaluate 
the situation that is in front of us. We need to evaluate our thinking through the situation. And it is so critical not to jump to conclusions. Think about just any situation that you face. And I believe that any situation that we face that can be difficult for us to go through or has been difficult in our past, the mind, if it stands strong during that spiritual battle, is, is a mind that eventually will more and more learn to wait, learn to be patient, learn to just not jump to conclusions. Because sometimes we are so clouded by a situation that seems devastating, I just want a resolution. I want a resolution, I want an escape, or I want to rush to judgment, or I just want this to conclude. Who knows what I'm talking about here? Listen to Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They who do what? Wait. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So if you and I determine in our own heart, in our own mind, that we are going to be waiting on the Lord for eternity, right? We can decide to endure and commit time in waiting on the Lord for the answer to our situation. To win the battle in our minds is to surrender, surrender a carnal thinking over to the things of the Spirit. So it will require you to wait. The second thing that we need to evaluate, we talked about the situation. We need to evaluate our thinking. <coughs> Excuse me. Because we can deceive ourselves. We can so easily deceive ourselves. So what happens is we need to make sure that we are thinking with what lines up with God and his character. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Are you hearing this? Guys, I know this is a lot of teaching today, and I know that, that, that you, might, you, you might be a little lost or, or maybe feel a little overwhelmed. But to take your thinking, and when it seems contrary to God, to determine that you need to hold that thought captive and not let it defeat you, I'm telling you, it starts with us, whether it is that doubt, that offense, that temptation, comparing yourselves to others, or any confusion you might have. You and I, we can be led by our own emotions, amen? We can be led by our own emotions regularly, and, and we can mistake it oftentimes for God's Spirit leading us. Listen to Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things. So you and I, we need to make sure that what is going on up here lines up with the Word of God and who it says God is. These things are critical. There's a bumper sticker. I'm sure you've seen it. It says, wise men still seek Him. And I can tell you, any season of difficulty I'm going through or this, these battles that I face in my mind, I find the best thing I can do is fall at the feet of God, seek Him for strength, patience, His love to be poured out on me. 
I'm going to get personal here to let you guys know how devastating of a time I've had up here and learning to handle it. If it hadn't been what I'd gone through in 2014, I wouldn't be able to ha handle what happened in 2022. 2014, I'm letting the situation get the best of me. And what's happening is I don't want to be at my job. Who can relate to this? I don't want to be at my job. So I come into the office and I'd look at the youth pastor. I'm like, hey, let's go get lost somewhere. And we'd leave. And I'd just be devastated the whole time thinking I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. I, 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 I hate my situation. I, I don't like everything that's facing me right now. I, I, just, I just want it to end. And then I'd do everything to avoid my job, the church. And then I'd go home in the afternoon and I'd be so depressed about the situation, I would lay either on the couch or in our bed from three o'clock till it was time to go to bed. And I would do one of two things. I would either cry or I'd sleep. And I'm facing this cycle day in, day out, and my wife is watching me, devastated by what's going on with her husband. And she doesn't know what to do. And this goes on for about six months. And I'm trying to navigate this situation. I'm facing all these roadblocks. And finally, she determined she's had enough. And she called one of the church board members, who's, a, who's also a close friend, and said, if you don't do something now, you're going to lose him. And she did it right in front of me against my wishes. I got mad, and I left the house. That board member and another board member came to find me. And that's when I started to deal with all my problems. but I'm not going to pretend it fixed itself overnight. I had to continually lay it down at the feet of God over and over and over again and not let it get the best of me, my family, my time with God. Church, are you hearing me? These things can attack us so greatly that we feel captive by our thoughts, captive by our minds and what's going in. It wasn't the situation that held me captive. Church, are you hearing me? It wasn't the situation that held me captive. It was my mind and how I chose to go through it. So what we need to do is we need to cry out for release in Jesus' name. We need to ask him to help us take every thought captive. Seek wisdom. Allow the word of God to wash over us so that we can be cleansed and think with a pure mind and, and seek the spirit of God and evaluate what it is we're going through. Church, I know I'm speaking to a people that, that you have been battling and you might not want to admit it. It might be a situation that you're going through it might be a past abuse. Difficulties that you don't want to speak of, but you know it has hindered your mind. And I am telling you, the Spirit of God wants to see you set free today.